Welcome to Confessional. I'm Kayla Shelton, along with Mike Moran. Tell us your deepest, your creepiest, your darkest. Confess to us. We won't tell. So you can tell us anything. No one's listening. On today's confessional, True Crime Podcasts. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Confessional. My name is Mike Moran, and I am without a co-host today. Uh, Isn't that right? It was just silence, because there's no (laughs) co-host. We do have our producer, though. Yes, sir. Mr. Jimmy Seleski. Yes, sir, but I am not a co-host. And you well remember that, my friend. I am not co-hosting at all. Don't you have producing to do? I'm producing right now, dude. All right. I am uh, producing. Jimmy, of course, from the live from the studio podcast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we do that. I do that with Eric Glazer, another Mm -hmm. uh, great Baltimore comedian. We release every week. You can follow us at LFTS Podcast on everything. Right, right. Uh, Yeah. Now, Jimmy. Yes. If listeners would like to contribute to the confessional, where could they find us? Uh, uh, So, if you would like to participate on confessional, if you want to submit any of your own confessions, uh, download the episodes, anything like that, uh, you can search confessional podcast on everything. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. If you want to submit your things, you can go to our Facebook page, confessional podcast. Easiest way to do that. Just type in facebook.com slash confessional podcast and you'll find us. Now, if someone doesn't have a computer, what address could they send a letter to? Uh, 12 West Seminary Avenue. Excellent. Uh, B, 12 and a half. I don't know if a garage is considered a half, but I'm thinking about making that official soon. Yeah, what does that mean when, pe- when they do a half? What I think it that? means you live in a, I think I think having no bathroom or uh, glasses, as Christine. You don't even learned, get a... You get a half. I think we're a third. I think we're a third of a residence at this studio. We're 12 and a third right. West Seminary Avenue. Right. That's, you get that's letters? You get, you no, get letters. We're, we're joking. We don't even have a mailbox. You just got to <laughs> drop it on top of the, the broken trash can outside of the door. Yeah. We'll you could fax us. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, I think our microwave receives <laughs> fax. <laughs> Maybe. Um, certainly doesn't nuke food, so hopefully it does something. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I think all, all things from the 90s receive fax. Yeah, I think it's yeah, fine. I think that's pretty could standard. Get a pajamagram. Pajamagram. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that, of course, is our guest today on Confessional. Random. One of the best, <laughs> most <laughs> passive-aggressive. Sorry, I, no. called, I called her random before the podcast in a fit of rage. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, an amazing comedian, one of Baltimore's best, but unfortunately she is moving to the big uh, windy, as they call it. Um, this woman is just incredible. We just did an amazing show together. She's very, very creative. Please welcome Christine Ferreira. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Of course. And uh, explain the random thing to our listeners real quick. Oh, just that your producer was um, talking about you having random local comedians. Right, right, right. (laughs) No, it suits me fine. I'm not at all offended by it. I think it's funny. Yeah, like yeah. It. Jimmy was kind of casually talking about how how we could we could get bigger name guests instead of a bunch of Baltimore yeah. randos. Yeah, I'm no <laughs> I'm, I'm no like, Doctor Miami. <laughs> right. I know that I'm no Doctor Miami. <laughs> I'm not even. Unless doc- you have I'm of the stars after your name. Yeah, then, uh, <laughs> comedian of the stars. No, but Christine, tell us about what you're working on, some things you, you got going on, people could find you. What, what do you got for us? Oh, what am I working on? I am I mean, I kind of just finished a run of my show yes. that I was working on all summer, which is, well, <laughs> it's a fake history of feminist performance art, mm. and it's a one-hour show with music. It's yeah. really funny and fun and... Uh, Um, yeah, but it's like a fake academic lecture about basically feminism Mm -hmm. that kind of pokes fun at feminism, uh, in a gentle way. And so that's about it. And then I moved to Chicago. I'm 
returning on Monday. So, but that's about it. I'm kind of, you know, I'm not. Well, I don't you, have you have much a book available, on. don't you? Oh, a book. Yeah. Well, it's not really available though. Oh, so okay. I'm. I that's. The you next can't thing get it that from your local I'm working on getting it published. Okay, yeah. just I've tell actually, us about that briefly. Well, my book is about another art project I did, in which I wrote a letter to Starbucks coffee each day for ten years. So, <laughs> however many thousands. Now, were these physical letters or were they emails? They were, and it's kind of interesting because it's before. Well, I started in 2005, so I guess. I don't know if that was before all social media, but that was before like social media was really mm-hmm. a big, big thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they were at that time that um, they still had paper customer oh, comment cards. Excellent. So they're like these customer comment cards oh, that they just I see. they used to k- carry them at Starbucks. Right. And so I would just uh, I decided randomly to do this um, as an art project and meant to do it for one year, but it was funds and also what I didn't foresee was that i would get letters from them they wrote me back awesome so i got like a few dozen responses from them over the years and um and so it sort of felt like a little like having a pen pal so (laughs) then i really liked doing it so i ended up doing it for 10 years wow and that's what the book is is just a collection of sort of cool the highlights what's that called starbucks diary starbucks diary yeah awesome yeah uh, Christine, today yes. we are discussing, we're getting a little meta on the confessional today. We're a podcast discussing <laughs> podcasts. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Whoa. Whoa. Um, but not just any podcasts, true crime podcasts. Right. True crime. Very popular right now, right? Big explosion. Everybody seems into it. What do you think about this 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 latest true crime uh, just boom, if you will? Yeah, well, I'm very curious about it because, as um, I was telling you earlier, I, I mean, I d- I listen to a lot of them. Mm. There's so many now that I mean, I really can't keep up with them. But I started wondering if this is if it's am I imagining that this is like a massive trend right. and. There are some aspects of that that I find a little disturbing. Right, right. Um, I mean, for as for myself, I will binge watch, you know, or binge listen, I guess is what you do with a podcast. So I'll binge listen to a series and... But it kind of, I mean, for me, I do really the same thing, but with alcohol. So. <laughs> um, but it's... I mean, I feel... I mean, it still has sort of an effect on me where I sure. feel... You know, I can't just go from one to the next to the next. Mm. I mean, I have to sort of take it in and kind of like recover from it. Um, because the, the subjects are just so dark and disturbing. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I yeah. mean, for me, it's so I'm what I'm wondering is with the it, there seems to be a huge rise in these types of podcasts, mm. Mm. Uh, not to mention other, you know, Netflix series yeah, all and over Netflix. documentaries and all this yeah. stuff. So I'm just like, what is going on that right. people, you know, it just seems really dark. Mm-hmm. I mean, some mm-hmm. of them get really, really dark. And then the other thing that I find disturbing is in some of them, what about the victims right. and their relatives and families sure, and sure. friends? And also because, I mean, a lot of these, I mean, I think most of them have a lot of integrity, but... These are not professional right, crime right. people doing yeah, this. It's yeah, like yeah. I mean, I have to think about that sometimes because I'll do like little writings on true crime, and you know, we talk about true crime on this show. And yeah, well, thankfully nobody listens or reads my stuff. No, we do have a little bit of a listenership, but um, yeah, you know, I think about that. Like, is it? Uh, I, I think like there is most of us. I think can find that balance of of not being cruel you know but uh, it must be just weird in general to have people talking about your family member or something like that especially if they died tragically right i mean the one that the first one that i remember listening to was serial which of course is local right right and then also it's like what qualifications did they have to be sort of reopening that investigation right and i don't even i mean i'm one of those people that 
by the end of that series, I ended up feeling like, oh, this guy sounds like he is innocent. I don't know. I mean, I think mm. they still don't even really know. They his case got reopened right, last yeah, in yeah. the last couple of years. Yeah. But it's like, but I kept thinking, but what if he's not? And mm-hmm. what is that like for this family yeah. that like was already yeah, from all Korea. these wounds opened up again. Yeah, but know. also they were already immigrants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I mean, they. I think from what I understand that they had a pretty good community of in the, like the Korean American community in Baltimore. They had like support, right? But right. I don't know. And and I mean, I, I'm just saying how how disturbing would mm-hmm, that be? Mm-hmm, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If people are turning this guy into a right, little bit of right. a hero, yeah, yeah, like yeah, martyr, mm-hmm. yeah, wrongly mm-hmm. accused. Yeah. So anyway, I don't really know what the statistics are about like w- wrongly accused, but mm-hmm. I don't know. So yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into a confession here. This is from Kylie Miracle, Corbin, Kentucky. Uh, I absolutely love them. True crime podcast. If that's really the right term to use. The more entertaining, the better, so I feel, which is why I am so fond of Last Podcast on the left. I also feel they are truly genuine, and their hard work really shows. It was the first podcast I really got into, and Marcus, Ben, and Henry helped me overcome a lot because LPOTL is more than just a true crime podcast. Some people probably find true crime podcasts or true crime anything to be disturbing, but I think it's important to teach these stories and help people become more aware and to be more careful. I was raised by women who are true crime fanatics, and I was used to serial killer books and documentaries growing up. I just feel people need to be aware and educated. Hmm. That's a really good way of putting it, but I am not sure I agree. Okay. Because there are many things that people, especially women, need you know need to be careful of in our society. There's many dangers, but I feel like true crime is generally focuses on extraordinary events, you know, things that don't happen very often. Yeah, you know, the reason why serial killers are so fascinating is because they're very, very rare. You know what I mean? So I always feel like it can be a negative effect to... To where it's making people paranoid of things that aren't necessarily likely to happen. Right, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's... I feel like people almost have, like, kind of a guilt for being fascinated by these things, so they have to, like, frame it in a way that's kind of like... Oh well, it's you know it's it's important for us to like know yeah. you know, and I feel like it's it's okay to just be like, it's fa- this it's is fascinating, fascinating, you know. Yeah. What do you think, Christine? Yeah, it is fascinating because um, I mean it's one of those things where like even the most sort of gnarly, grisly ones are still somewhere in there. There is still like a human instinct. Like sure. I, I saw this th- the whole thing about Ed Gein a, a long, long time ago. Oh, I should have done my Ed Gein joke last night. I didn't do oh. it. I was tempted to. Oh, can you, what's your, well, Ed it's Gein? right. You know, it's uh, I, I talk <laughs> about, I, I don't, I have social anxiety, but not to like Joseph McCarthy levels of socialist anxiety. I did that one. Sometimes I do a little follow up of, I don't always feel comfortable in my own skin, but not to like Ed Gein levels. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need to emphasize the social, list in that right because you did that joke at um at hot set (laughs) and it just kind of fell on Mm, deaf ears mm. including myself i was like what did he mean by that and then it was only now that i've heard you reiterate that i oh you said socialist anxiety (laughs) right is that what you said well not the first time but then afterward i say it okay it doesn't matter though let's get back to ed Gein. Oh, right. No, let's get back to improving Mike's set. <laughs> I know. When did this become let's the... Uh, talk about your set, bro. Come on. Oh, my God. <laughs> but um, they were talking about cannibalism and um, just, I mean, you know, he was... Well, did he... I'm not even sure. Did he do cannibalism? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. You want to do cannibalism? You think he did that on his first... Did he? You guys want to do cannibalism next week? <laughs> uh, I but think just so. in terms of that actually... I mean, we think it's so grotesque and it's hard to, for me, it is kind of hard to identify with. Like, I don't, 
but what? at the same or necrophilia oh, or whatever. But um, but it, <laughs> I would hope so. You said right. like that's well for me. It's hard to identify. <laughs> I'm not me. making a value cultural standards. Cannibalism. <laughs> eat people. If you identify as a cannibal, that is your choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. I'm not trying to like. I'm not cannibals. trying to destigmatize cannibalism <laughs> or necrophilia. Those probably should be stigmatized, but I just mean that All they just love. talked about how it wasn't this total anomaly. Like just that it's always been around. It's like a right. very and, yeah, and yeah. necrophilia. Right. Like it's been you know since there's been humans, there's been cannibalism in a, some small form. Yeah, or yeah. Some and people or say that's the first sign of a human civilization. Like when humans, wow. yeah, like turned from, you know, like whenever we evolved from whatever the hell, you know, like when God put us here 5,000, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like when, uh, <laughs> when humans became what we think of as humans, they immediately find signs of cannibalism. Wow. But okay. also chimpanzees eat each other. Too. Do they really? Yeah, chimpanzees, what they'll do is they'll uh, go into a tribe uh, like a neighboring tribe, and they'll actually rip the testicles off of the males from oh, that tribe and just eat them. Wow. wow. And then they'll just take the women. Maybe that's what Very happened in Neverland with uh, Bubbles. <laughs> I think so, dude. You know, and Michael. Oh, my God. Um, but so the point is is that, like, I identify with, um, like, a, kip- a couple people wrote in that it gives them a sense of, control in you know a chaotic world yeah and i totally get that and maybe even especially for women since (laughs) i think women are probably statistically more the victims of a lot well certainly a lot of like probably yeah (laughs) yeah i think it's you know i don't want to make sausage here but i I think uh, men might statistically be more violent. I might have to look that up. <laughs> yeah. But, but um, so maybe it's Eddie. a w- maybe that is why so many women get fascinated with true crime. Right, right. Is that it gives them a sense of kind of looking the devil in the yeah. eye or something or having control. And I totally get that. But at the same time, it also has that effect that you were talking about of like, God, is this everywhere? Like, right. I've I've listened to and watched a couple of things where I have to keep the light on sure. when I go to bed because I'm so scared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. Can't be killed when the light's on. Yeah, you, you know what? Yeah. I, I I like this is really pretty morbid. Um, I like it's not that morbid. I like falling asleep to true crime podcasts sometimes because like I don't know when there's kind of that dark, creepy, slow speak. You know, like uh, the Case File podcast. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that. Um, it kind of puts me to sleep. I don't know, <laughs> in a pleasant way. But what I hate is when there's a really disturbing nine one one call inserted in there. That yeah. freaks me out so bad. I can't yeah. like real life human suffering. I can't. Yeah. I can't do oh like videos and audio. Like I just can't do it. Yeah. And I hate that when I'm like drifting off and then I'm s- seeing, you know, listening to someone scream. Yeah, it's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ooh, so like, funny. look, I'm trying to fall asleep to uh, just this slow, soothing voice talking about a spree killer. <laughs> Do you need to <laughs> you disrupt me with that? Um, all right. This is from Ben Wyckoff, Muscatine, Iowa. Beautiful Muscatine. Uh, he says, I don't really like true crime podcasts. I don't dislike them. They just aren't interesting to me. I think it may be from the toxicity of last podcast on the left and the snake pit, or maybe my ongoing political rad- radicalization. Radicalization. Mm. <clears throat> I don't know. Just seems so pedestrian compared with uh, fomenting a rebellion in a foreign nation and training insurgents that later literally murdered babies. Hmm. Yeah, I can see how the two. Yeah, he. This is the same guy. I feel like this guy con- confesses every now and then. And yeah. He, he, no matter what the no matter what the topic is, he brings it back to uh, something about that or something like that. <laughs> something about radicalizing people and and capitalism and all kinds of other shit. It, like, dude, it sounds like Ben is uh, in a place where he's, um, I guess, just thinks there's bigger issues than being. Entertained by by crime stories. I agree. I, I agree with him. I agree with him. But that. it's you know you can have both. You know, yeah. like there's still there's there's room for for everything in life. Yeah. You know, I think um, maybe it's I, I guess it could be the nature of it too. It's like I it's morbid instead of like listening to 
stories of human suffering, actually going out and, and doing something about it, you know? I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Christine? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I somewhat agree with that because, yeah, I mean, I guess that's my problem. And it's actually more just a critique of myself in terms of, like, there's so it's so addictive, right. the true crime thing. And I, yeah, so so I agree in terms of, like, I do think it's sort of um, dangerous to get so addicted to something like the most morbid parts. Because actually, you know, statistically, it isn't even most of crime. You know, it's like, so why do we? So we don't care about like average money, ordinary crime. Absolutely. Nobody cares about all those. Right, right. It's like the things that have real numbers behind. I always come back to car accidents. (laughs) Like, cars are where people get hurt and killed all the time. You know, the odds of you being killed by a serial killer are almost non-existent. The odds of you being eaten by a shark or killed by a terrorist, you know, but two out of three of us in this room are statistically going to be dead from car accidents within the week. Yeah. I think. That's a fact. Yeah. That's a fact. And there is an aspect of glorifying right. those people. Absolutely. And, I mean, completely, yeah. you know. Yeah, And it's kind of like, yeah. What do you think about that? Like that kind of anti-hero kind of uh you know criminal worship oh i mean yeah it's totally disturbing i i had i mean this is i don't think it went on that long but when i was in art school in milwaukee it was during the time of jeffrey Dahmer. oh yeah you're (laughs) telling me about this yeah and one of my classmates had you know was in the you know spent a lot of time on the gay scene at gay bars. So he knew Jeffrey Dahmer. Whoa, and wait, you're so saying there's a gay man in an art school. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there was. He was our, yeah, he was our gay man. No, um, but he was, he became uh, totally fascinated with Dahmer right. and went to all his trials mm. in Milwaukee. So he had to show up at the courthouse at like 4 a.m. to beat the crowd. Right, right. And he just was, yeah, he was totally, he... Was it like like Walmart at Christmas when you see those videos, like people beating each other to get through the doors? I don't know, but it was there was limited seating right. and people stood Do you take in line. Yeah, yeah. They were people stood in line to see those yeah, the, the yeah. first trials. I I I don't think I if I were in that vicinity, it would be tempting to go like maybe once to see a trial yeah. to see like a day of court with Jeffrey yeah. Dahmer. Yeah, well, I had no, I mean, at that time, this is like the early 90s, so it's not like, I mean, maybe I had seen one sort of grainy photo of Dahmer right. on the news or something, yeah. but it wasn't like social media time where you'd get like all the, you know, so so I didn't even understand it. I mean, I remember asking this guy, like, what, why are you doing this? Uh-huh. And he was like, oh my God, he's so gorgeous. Are you kidding me? Oh, so he's he actually so had high. like, you know, oh, he was totally literal romance attracted to him. Whoa. Yeah. And um, did he find like the criminal aspects uh, hot? I mean, I guess he was just really fascinated by right, it, right. you know? Yeah. So he, yeah, so he went every day and then he would give us these weird reports about like wow. his, the court what happened in court that day and all this wow. stuff and uh you know so that was i remember just thinking like oh my god that is so disturbing but actually it's really common like mm-hmm. serial mm-hmm. killers have fans yeah absolutely um even the most i mean that's like cannibalism i think also necrophilia was involved. oh yeah i mean oh, yeah. Big... Dahmer kind of ran the whole gamut yeah, of yeah. like everything you can do that's disturbing um underage you know all of that stuff so to sort of fetishize somebody like that mm. to me is totally disturbing mm. and i mean i guess Dahmer died shortly after that but but some of the ones that are in jail i mean they have fans oh they yeah get, they get fan mail right they right. have men and women that like you know marry them or date them in Mm. jail Mm. ted bundy got married in jail charles manson got married in jail i mean i I literally think like almost all the what's that richard ramirez yeah like almost all those guys i think eventually got married in jail like they're just it just happens like every time almost so it's like, what's the attraction there's some kind of sociopathy attraction well some of those people claim to be innocent and i feel like their their wife or whoever thinks that they're innocent like 
like uh, hmm. Ted Bundy claimed to be innocent for a long time, he and did? some people supported him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. And uh, the clown guy, what's his name, John, John Wayne, Wayne Gacy. Gacy, he claimed to be yeah, innocent for a long time, even though he literally had bodies in his basement. See, okay, and that was a Chicago one. So that was oh. when I was growing up. I mean, that's terrible because that also, I think, was boys, wasn't it? All yeah. But yeah. when I was growing up, there was like this boogeyman thing of oh. like, that's John Wayne Gacy's house. People would always oh, say. Oh, it was like an yeah, urban legend in your neighborhood. It was. And I don't wow. think it was anywhere near my neighborhood. Right, right. But people would do that. They'd be like, wow. that's the house. Like that's in the house. Southern Maryland or around D.C., they'll, they'll, every every town has an exorcist house where they'll oh, say the exorcist right, boy yeah. was in it. <laughs> wow. You know, I never saw The Exorcist because what? I was too scared. <laughs> I thought you were the one that told me that in the edited version, uh, she says your mother sews socks in hell or something. No, no, that was, uh, yeah, I but I didn't see it. But th- when they they put it on TV at right. one point, so yeah. the what do you isn't call that called it? seeing it? Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't see it. Someone told me. Oh, about okay, it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But supposedly they they had to. Edit. <laughs> like edit that out. So socks, so in, socks hell. in hell. Yeah. Such a devilish Wow. It's like, yeah. how dare. Wait, what? How dare. What? Okay. That doesn't sound Just like too bad. buy a new pair. Look, if, <laughs> if she's sewing socks instead of being like tortured by demons in hell, that's, you know. I'll Your mother that. has literally the best gig in <laughs> hell imaginable. <laughs> yeah. Just sew socks. Wow. Oh, I'm glad she's doing well. Hopefully they have bathroom Thank breaks. You. And <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, Your mother has a podcast in hell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this one is from Krista Faka, L.A. That stands for Los Angeles, uh, which I believe is in Wyoming. <laughs> it can be done in a way that is exploitative and sad. However, many of the podcasts I listen to, especially the ones run by women, have more focus on resolution, whether it's crowdsourcing clues on cold cases slash suspects, murder squad, Donating money to things like In the Backlog and Crime Stoppers, Crime Junkie, my favorite murder. The technology is catching up in a way where we are seeing a surge of interest because we are seeing a surge of justice, and people like stories with endings, people like justice. Uh, I get so frustrated with people slash men. I don't know why that's a slash. Shouldn't that be parentheses men? (laughs) It's like people and men uh, who will go on and on about how they really don't like the personalities of the women who host my favorite murderer. It's fine to have opinions, but I think there is an unexamined misogyny there. They've created a huge community of fans who are in some cases personally affected by murder and in many cases moved to raise money and awareness around safety, prevention, and bringing criminals to justice. Wow. This woman definitely likes men. <laughs> I can tell from that. Man people. Yeah. That type yeah. of person. Definitely likes them. Yeah. What do you think, Christine? Do you think there's kind of a misogynist uh, vibe within the, the true crime world at all? I mean, you know, I haven't listened to all of these. So, wait, is it called My Favorite Murder? Yeah. Murderer. M- My Favorite Murderer. Yeah. I haven't listened to that one. That title... M- disturbs me a little bit really? because that's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> what we've been talking about. Like, oh, my, which is my favorite murder? Right, right. Um, but I mean, I assume it's sort of like a tongue-in-cheek thing. No, I think she has a good point. I mean, so I'm interested if there are podcasts that go into that uh-huh. kind of stuff about like what are some of the, you know, why is it mostly men that are serial killers mm-hmm. and serial, yeah, and like what are the misogynist things that are driving that and right you know well yeah i find that very interesting yeah 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 well what what are your thoughts what do you think are the uh the misogynist instincts that um you know manifest in these these things like what, what do you think it is that that like you know turns a man from you know being a regular person to being a woman killer (laughs) um or just a killer in general i think but i okay well this is probably gonna be messy because i'm sort of i hadn't we're all about order here at the confessional well i do think so so like and it is mostly white men um so this the phenomenon of white male serial killers white male you know, m- bombers and, right, and right. Uh, mass Terrorists, shooters yeah. and things like that. To me, I feel like 
there are, I'm not going to make any, you know, I don't want to, I don't have anything to back this up. This is just sort of my overall observations sure. over years. But I feel like it's something to do with that phenomenon of like, um, you know, white <laughs> men feeling like they're losing power uh-huh. or, and I think it actually goes back to colonization, you know, really? it's, well, yeah, because it's also mostly white men who colonize, mm. you know, and it's, so it's like, why would you do that? Well, you need to control, you need right, to have right. power and control. Yeah. Well, why can't you just have power over yourself right. and control over yourself? Why yeah. can't you live within yourself yeah, you do hear, like, in a the balanced words control way? Control and power come up a whole lot with you these do. things. Yeah. What is that? I don't. I don't quite get that. Like, I don't. Um, what do you think that means exactly? Like, just just kind of like even with Dahmer, you know, he's like his whole thing was like dominating the person, like owning the person, you know, like. What is that? Just just controlling someone, you know? Is it is it like the same instinct that like a, a controlling spouse will use or Yeah. I think so it's very hard for me to identify with the impulse to murder. Like it truly is. Oh I don't, yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And I'm not saying I'm not no. trying to be funny no, by saying you. that like like as if that's really obvious. Right. But I mean I've actually really thought about it because right, maybe right. as a woman or maybe just as a human living in kind of shitty neighborhoods like i've spent a lot of my life be living in fear Mm -hmm. of being raped of being murdered of Mm -hmm. being attacked in some way like violence um and i have thought about like well what is that instinct like i want to understand it i do kind of want to understand it like why would someone do that and i can't understand it but you hear over and over you hear murderers and mm-hmm. serial killers and people like that talk about uh power and mm-hmm. talk about like mm-hmm. getting just this like like it's the most powerful right, feeling you right. can, it's the biggest rush it's the yeah. most powerful feeling and also there seems to be some you know you look at a lot of these guys let's say they're not they're that they're all guys and they there is something like they seem like desiccated mm-hmm. you know they seem like lost people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I I always imagine the sociopath, which we talked about last time I was here, is sort of a lost person. It's mm-hmm. like, and sort of somebody who maybe feels like they have no agency in the world mm-hmm. or agency in their own personal right, life. Right. And because you hear when when they do interview murderers and they do the murderers themselves talk a lot about like a surge of power that they get from it or a thrill or like it's the most alive that you can feel. That's what they describe Mm. it. I mean, I think other people, I don't think everyone necessarily describes it that way, Mm. you know? Mm. Um, But I do think it has something to do with that. And so it's like, well, why is, why is it so often white men? I think it has to be in some way connected to feeling a loss of agency mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. And I think it's very similar to, um, were you saying like domestic violence or? Yeah. Like, is it, is it like an extreme version of that same type of behavior? You know what I mean? I think so. I mean, there's mm. often a connection, right? you know, right. like, especially with serial, like rapists and murder, mm. you know, people where it's, it's women is oftentimes those people are also abusive to right, their right. spouse. What they have yeah, like a lot of people will, will use the word control a lot when talking about like narcissists or sociopaths. Um, what do they? What do you think they mean by that? You know, like um, when when someone's described as controlling, I I I'm honestly like I don't exactly know what they're talking about. Well, I think it uh, it might be you also often hear sociopaths described as somebody with just like a complete lack of like emotion Mm -hmm. or a lack of empathy Mm -hmm. or a lack, you know, just a lack kind of in general. And so I think it's the power and control comes in getting reactions from other people. So manipulating people and controlling people Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and get living. uh, To me, it seems a little like living vicariously through that. Interesting. You're saying it's like compensation for their, the, the fact that they can't feel like hu- normal human emotions. Yeah, it's like they're sort of getting it vicariously through, you know, the people that are that have those emotions. Interesting. You know? 
I mean, I'm just basing that on my sort of brushes with either people who are sociopaths or just like very very controlling, manipulative. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems to me like if I were to try to hone in on why it's predominantly one group being like white men, it almost feels like to me that a lot of these, uh, not all of them, but a lot of the, when you look at like school shooters, mass shooters, serial killers in general, I almost feel like those crimes are kind of crimes of, for lack of a better term, like privilege. Because I feel like when you are, when you are, like, okay, if you look at murders on a grand scale, if you look at like gang violence and things like that, mm-hmm. you're not going to see the same trend where white men are dominating. You're going right, to see a right. lot more black, Latino, and things like that. But those type of murders seem to be like, if you, there's a shooting at a school in Baltimore, uh-huh. it's not, it's not going to be a mass shooting of somebody walks into school and right, shoots. Right. It's going to be like. Uh, I went into school to sh- kill this other guy right, yeah. or something like that. Mm. And I think a lot of that comes from when you grow up in uh, a more desperate situation in poverty, a lot of your problems are much closer to home mm. versus if you grow up in like a suburban town in uh, Florida, let's say, mm. and you're just this this kind of like suburban white kid who just feels ostracized from society, you're detached, and there's not necessarily a specific person that you can lash out against or a specific thing that you can look at and be like, this is what's causing right, the problem. You yeah. kind of just lash out mm-hmm, into mm-hmm. the void, yeah. if that makes any sense. So it's kind of yeah. like the same thing when they say like suicides appear to be another thing that like when you, it's generally countries that have higher income right, right, yeah. have much higher rates of suicide mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. countries where you would you would imagine like, oh, if you're living in a country where people are, are starving and there's so much poverty, you would imagine there'd be sure. more suicide there, but it's not really the case. Right, you look right. at Scandinavian countries in America. Yeah, it's kind of like once the physical problems go away, yeah. you start having more emotional, You start having this kind of like nihilistic like lack of purpose or mm-hmm, lack of, and you're mm-hmm. searching for that. And that's why I feel like a lot more of these like serial killings tend to be Anybody who comes from a background where it's kind of like they just don't know right. where to go, they don't yeah. know what yeah. they're what they're yeah. fighting against. They just hate mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. life or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think the privilege goes hand in hand with that. Do you guys also think like what about? I mean, I don't want to compare mass shooters. Well, I guess I am comparing mass shooters. <laughs> well, it's like why is it that we will somewhat glamorize serial killers but not mass shooters? You know what I mean? I one thing could be that because serial killers are kind of becoming a thing of the past now. Like uh, I've heard that like a lot with with DNA with the techniques they have nowadays, it's really hard to get away with serial killing. Oh, okay. And they think that like a lot of people that would have been serial killers in the 70s are now mass shooters <laughs> instead. Kind of got to knock it all out in one. one yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, got to get exactly. it in where you can because right. you only get one shot. I yeah, guess, now yeah, these days. exactly. Oh, I see. Yeah, that it's like that Eminem song. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, I don't know. Do you think that's possible because it's kind of becoming like an 80s, 90s, 70s thing that it's like we're a little true. bit removed? Yeah, I guess that does make sense. There still are serial killers for sure. Yeah. But it just seems like there's there's way less. And, and it doesn't just seem like that. Like statistically, there is way less than there than there was. Um, all right. This one is from Victoria Ward Morningstar, Goodlands, Manitoba. Yeah. Uh, I think when it's done respectfully, it's great. There's Murder? a few uh, <laughs> true crime <laughs> podcasts, Jimmy. Uh, there's a few cases where the podcast, documentary, etc., reopen a case and justice was found. I don't think anyone would have known anything about the West Memphis Three if it wasn't for Paradise Lost. And I think Michelle McNamara's research helped solved eurons. Not sure what eurons are. Uh, for me. Consuming true crime media is also a bit like both screaming and laughing into the void. There's so many terrible things in the world, and being able to laugh about it helps. Also, as a woman, I've been catcalled, felt intimidated, been assaulted, and hearing survivor stories helps me feel in control of my anxiety of being in this world. Hmm. Wow, so many women are echoing that sentiment. And I I definitely get it, Mm -hmm. but for me, it's just I also, there's an element that's just too scary and it just i end up feeling like the world is just a terrible place right right if if i go to yeah okay yeah like if i after a big binge or something i will feel that way so for me i definitely have to limit my exposure Mm -hmm. i Mm -hmm. think but but yeah that's interesting i'm yeah 
Well, um, all right. Well, let's see. Is there anything else we want to talk about, Christine? I don't know. Jimmy, any more mm. thoughts on serial killers or um, true crime podcasts? Going back to the guy, uh, the original, I think his name was Ben. <laughs> we talked about the toxicity of things. Uh-huh. There have been certain, and especially now, uh, and it's kind of the same reason why uh, you've noticed lately more and more news reporters. And you know, if you watch, if you watch local news or even like national news, CNN, Fox, and stuff like that, they mm. will avoid saying the name of the shooter. Yes, which is great. Yeah, and and that that to me is a good move because absolutely. But and then the problem is is that like for, I remember being really. Just kind of perturbed, not disturbed, but perturbed at the whole. <laughs> <laughs> let's get your turbed let's correct get our before we move correct. on. What kind Tur- of turbed are we talking? Turb your enthusiasm. <laughs> That's all I'm trying to say. Uh, and um, I, w- I was on Netflix like last year or something looking through the uh, options. And oh, I thought you meant you had a show on Netflix. Yeah, I was on there. Yeah, yeah, you can check it out. Uh, <laughs> turb your enthusiasm. Um and uh, they have those well, like little documentaries where they do like the eighties, the nineties, sure. the seventies, right, right? Right. And I remember scrolling through, and for the seventies, the thumbnail for that entire documentary, this documentary right. that's supposed to outline the entire decade of the seventies, yeah. the thumbnail is Charles Manson. Uh. Yeah. And I remember looking at that and being like, "What kind of message is that sending? Right, that right. like y- this guy who was literally his claim to fame was just being this cult leader murderer, yeah. who was like uh, killing high profile people and things like that." And it's like he is the face that defines that right. d- all the other stuff that happened in the seventies. Mm-hmm. And Charles Manson gets the gets the front page. Yeah. And yeah. it's like the and then pet y- rock for crying yeah. out loud. <laughs> and then you have things like you know you see like the. Uh, the the movie that they came out with that was based on Ted Bundy, uh, it was like some weirdly long, unnecessarily long title, like Too, terrible. Yeah. It was like, I, was I don't even like know. It was like a bunch of words. That yeah, yeah. I don't even know what it was. It was but like a pretentious indie band name. Yeah, exactly. 2000s. Exactly. And um, the, the the lead actor was Zac Efron right. playing Ted Bundy. And, yeah. and it doesn't even really, I mean, it all supposedly takes place after the fact. And it's all just dealing with the drama between him and his girlfriend and the other girl that he yeah. marries in jail. And it doesn't focus at all on what actually happened. And it's being played by this A-list, high, like, hot guy celebrity. Mm. And it's like all the things that they're doing in the mainstream really appear to be doing the opposite of w- of right. when you don't say the name of the killer yeah. when he's a mass shooter. But then then Charles Manson, you, if you're a serial killer, Zac Efron's going to play you in a movie yeah. and you can right. be the, you can define your decade. All yeah. the other shit that happened in the 70s, all the nice rock mm. music that came out, the great movies, things like that. Nope, Charles Manson was the 70s. And yeah. what, what message does that send to people? Yeah. So I think at Good a certain point, point it does kind of get mm-hmm. toxic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you have to, you have to, and, and it, yeah. That does bug me. Well, again, do you do you think it has anything to do with the fact that Charles that uh, serial killers are becoming an old uh, uh, a retro thing? Like, I, do you think yeah. they were doing that at the time, like memorizing? Um, that's a good. That's a good question. I, I I don't know. I think I I don't think that they're doing it because they're noticing a trend that serial killing is going away, and then these these. Okay. These m- these media producers are going okay. Well, I think it's safe now to right, glamorize right. here. I think I think it might. If anything, it's a coincidence. I think uh-huh. that they're they're capitalizing on the nostalgia yep. effect of things. They're mm-hmm. going back, and true crime is is probably the it's probably the most growing. I mean, my mom does nothing but watch true TV all mm-hmm. day, mm-hmm. all kinds of things, talking about stuff. So I think that the popularity of true that's TV going is up. way different than it used to be. By the way, now oh, it's yeah. like Impractical Jokers and Carbonero effect. Yeah, they yeah, like, yeah, they yeah, barely yeah, even yeah, do yeah, like. Yeah. But um, I, I don't think that there's a I don't think that necessarily when these things happen that there's mm-hmm. there's this kind of like guiding consciousness behind all right. of it. It's like, well, I think it's okay to do this now because it seems to be a trend of the past. I think they're noticing that it's it's what the market is demanding, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're capitalizing on it. And and if I if they were to find that there was an uptick in serial killers as a result of glamorizing it, I'd be interested to see what. Well, they do about that. I will say this. I believe that the mass shooter trend is pretty much because of media coverage. Absolutely. I think it's be I mean almost you can almost like trace a lineage back to Columbine mm-hmm. when it was just such a huge news story got massive ratings. They know that anything like that that is that big and and that covered is going to have a copycat within the next couple of weeks usually. I almost feel like there's been a direct chain of school shooters for 20 years since then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the media knows that, you know? And it's like, 
yeah, they do take some precautions now, which is cool, like not showing their face. Um, but I, I think that's the, the most, that's the, that's the sickest thing about news media right now is that they could probably stop these things. I mean, yeah, there would be something every now and then. Um, but I, I really think that the, it's just like become this, uh, this never ending, uh, line of, of killers because that's what happens. One gets huge and then there's a copycat and then there's a copycat of them. There's a copycat of them. And that is kind of disgusting. Like most most things, as far as like what's popular or whatever, I'm kind of like, all right, well, the people demand it, the producers make it. You know, there's a re- it's not really anybody's fault. But I think the the mass shooter thing in particular, I think the media needs to take a lot more responsibility for. I mean, it's it's like, oh, good, thirty more kids got killed today. Cha ching. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah. I don't know. I just think it's kind of appalling if you will appalling but at the same time don't they have to report it i mean well no i don't think so i think uh i think there are terrible things that happen every day you know that don't get reported because they're not trendy because they're not getting ratings i mean we have eight billion people on the planet there's there's gonna be you know uh, a bridge collapses in in some you know country in asia or uh you know, a fire, or you know, or or a kid is being abused in in Arkansas right now. You know, there's there's terrible things in the world. If you scour the entire globe every day for like the darkest, most disturbing things, um, and so I don't think they have to. I, you know, I mean, obviously, if one happens locally, it's going to be a news story no matter what. But I don't think they need to make it like this international, you know, Crisis. celebrity. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, I think there's I think there's ways to report on. It. I think you can report on it without making it a 24 hour news cycle on this one mm. thing that happened. Right. And just bringing all this attention yeah. to this case. And I mean, they're making these shooters celebrities. And that's yeah. what some a very tiny percentage of sick individuals want. Yeah. Know? And they always they always they always extrapolate beyond the incident to this grander thing that's happening. Yeah. And all this other stuff. It's like, well, you guys are kind of. Right, exactly. The ones doing that. Yeah, like, yeah. they'll be like, and we went to his Facebook page and we found this. It's like, okay, right, well, right. you're the one, like. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're the most responsible, though. I mean, I think the legislation has to change. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it hasn't at all. Like, there yeah. doesn't seem to be any movement. Like, they talk about all the time how, you know, violent, the, especially the gun violence in America. Sometimes I wonder, do you ever wonder if, like, there a lar- uh, some segment of the population is actually kind of proud of that like oh yeah we're super violent ha 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 i mean it's just so because it's not changing at all i mean like mm. there's no everybody knows that the nra is like this ridiculously powerful lobby mm. that basically buys you know senators and congress mm. people I mean, it's like, it's disgusting. It's like, just change it. The woman in New Zealand was just like, no more. And mm. she just changed it. Well, also, yeah. Someone could just change it, it but they yeah. never do. Another thing that's irresponsible, I think, about, to, to piggyback what you're saying, another thing that's irresponsible is, is that you have these murders in our city alone where we're experiencing like a murder a day on average. Mm-hmm. And and it gets some highlighted focus, but but in reality... Hundreds of people are killed yeah. in this country every single day, yeah, th- and it's I not because of, it's not because of some guy with a crazy right, Facebook right. page That's toting an AR-15. Most AR gun violence is is just yeah. you know Hand, street violence. Yeah, street violence, yeah. illegal guns. These people aren't you know you're not going down there and all these guns that people are using to kill each other are fucking registered with the NRA. No, it's not. You have right, all these things right. happening, and and then the focus instead of being focused on it's like to me it's like okay. One or or one percent of death of gun deaths in this country, if that even one percent of gun, way less, way less than that, are as a result of mass shootings. Mm. The other ninety nine percent are as a result of all this other bullshit going on. Mm-hmm. But our national focus and all of our focus in legislation and things like that is always geared towards what is the big story. Right. The exactly. big story today was fifteen people were killed at some church in Florida. Not. 
a hundred people were killed in Chicago right. and Baltimore and Los Angeles yeah. and all these other countries and and all the all oh we need to do this it almost yeah. to me it's like it's another argument of privilege to right me. yeah it is it all it reminds me of uh, forgive the reference but you remember the the Joker in the Dark Knight kind of saying how when something's not part of the plan it gets attention yep. you know like mm-hmm. um, it almost seems like that like we just expect a, a gangbanger to get killed every day every in day. Baltimore you mm-hmm. know and it's like it is true that like. It takes like an out of the ordinary event to get people's attention. I mean, it could be one of those things where it's like, we need, there is a gun violence problem in America, no matter who, you know, what percentage make the news or, or not. There is, you know, if you compare us to other countries, there's definitely a homicide problem here. Um, but it could be one of those things where, you know, the average person, because they're just like watching the news every night, is only going to pay attention to the mass shootings or whatever. Yeah. But it still could end up being a, a good thing if, you know, guns were taken out of the other 99% of homicides. Yeah, and I think that comes down to, again, it comes down to what affects you. You know, at the end of the day, I live in Towson. I work in Baltimore. I'm playing there five days a week. Mm. But I know that if I if I don't get involved with certain types of things and I, I keep my head about me where I go, where I hang out, and things like mm. that, that that likely will not affect me. I understand that my car right. is going to get broken to or something like that. But I think what scares people is the idea that you can just be going about yeah. your day-to-day, yeah. going to church, right. going to work it, or something like that, yeah, and it, that could affect you, and that's right, what scares right. people. Sure, like, and it does have, I think, a, a racial element too, is that like white people aren't going to pay attention to like 99 black teenagers getting killed versus... Yeah, you if, know, if, if a bunch of black... People are killing other black people as a white person. You're like, okay, well, right? They they don't seem to care until there's you know some white faces on the news. But uh, I don't know. Any uh, any thoughts on that, Christine? Yeah, well, it kind of goes back to the whole podcast thing of you know the fine line between glamorizing it or normalizing Mm -hmm. it. Not even glamorizing, just normalizing it and making it into entertainment. Right. Right. Versus. But what but with what I'm hearing from a lot of the people who wrote in is that it's actually the opposite. It's like a way to have mm. these kinds of conversations. Right, right. You know, yeah, and sure. these are I mean, a lot of people doing the podcasts are not like professional either crime investigators Except for us. or uh, right <laughs> or uh or even professional journalists. All right. You know, but maybe that's even Maybe somehow they are, end up being more responsible about it. Yeah, I, I think don't so. know. I, you know, I think I think overall it can have you know just kind of like the the free press. You know, I do think like you know it is it, overall better for everything that so many people can have a voice now. You know, even if we're not experts or whatever, I do think the end result of that is a lot better when a lot of different voices are heard. All right. <laughs> Well, thank you, guys. This was an awesome podcast. Christine, thanks for coming by. Oh, thanks. Uh, we got a. L- I, we want to have you back multiple times too, because you have so many awesome, weird things to talk <laughs> about. Well, mean? I'm sure I'll be visiting. Awesome, sometime. cool, yeah. cool. Or we can always do some Skype or phone calls. Jimmy, thank you so much, buddy. I think Jimmy's giving a thumbs up you right now. You guys can't hear this thumbs up. <laughs> but might be able to. There we are. It's up. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. I am Mike Moran, and we will see you next time on The Confessional.